This short message is a prayer of salvation. So often I find myself getting religious in a sense that I have to follow a certain format uh, for someone to be saved or tell them they must do this, they must do that. And when we look through the Bible, it's, it's fairly clear that, yes, we need to repent for our sins and all that sort of thing. But the fact is, if you've got some sins that are outstanding and you haven't thought about them, are you still saved when you really believe in Jesus, that he's the son of God, that he died and he rose again, and that he's taken all your sins? Do you really believe that? So could we miss a sin that we've done? Uh, yes. So what does it say? Well, in Romans 10, 9 to 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. There's two areas there. One of the things that I, I see all the time is, is you know, people that, that say they know God and, yeah, he's the son of God and, yeah, he died and he rose again and all that sort of thing, but they don't necessarily believe it with their heart. And it says here to believe in your heart. In Mark, it talks about moving mountains. And again, he talks about the heart. Yeah, not to doubt, but to believe in your heart that what you say, you know, you will see. And that's faith. Romans 10 says that if you confess with your mouth, so we need to say something. And what we need to say is Jesus is Lord. And then we need to do the next thing, which is believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified it is with your mouth speaking that you confess and are saved. It says it in two areas. He says, when you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it also says with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So it's a confirmation by using your mouth in this process. People ask me, so, you know, what you, how can I believe in Jesus? Well, I say don't just believe in Jesus. Believe in who Jesus is. And what is Jesus? Today he is a spiritual person. He's the son of God. He's God himself. But when we talk to someone and we say, just trust in Jesus, they get confused. Recently I had a conversation with a a family member that I hadn't spoken to for years and over the last six or 12 months we started talking about Jesus and they were very very happy to talk about it uh, as I gently stepped into this area and they really confirmed something with me that they didn't fully understand what it was about Jesus that they needed to believe because just believing in Jesus is just a name and we know that the name is above every other name but someone that doesn't believe hasn't seen that they don't know what we know and we've got to be careful not to be in an IT area let's say like an information technology expert they talk about bytes and all these other things and and I'm still back there where the bytes were what's a byte 
Can you explain that to me? But they think that we understand. So that's the terminology that they use. If we use scriptural terminology all the time to someone that hasn't heard it before, they may not understand. And remember, they're not in the spirit to start with. They've not got the Holy Spirit operating in their life to understand scriptures. So there's much evidence. So they're going to ask you, so... Yeah, Jesus is just another name. I've had this many times. And I said, well, it's not just another name. It's a name above every other name. You know, we're having Christmas right now. (laughs) And that name has been the biggest influence in all the world for the last 2,000 years or more. So why? Well, the fact is there's historical proven evidence about the death of Jesus. Jesus did die. Do you believe that? Well, most people will believe it. It's recorded all over the place. It's recorded that the Romans were professional killers. They knew how to kill someone. If they failed in killing someone, they were killed themselves. So if you're facing death about making sure someone was dead, I think you'd be pretty sure that you would make sure they were dead. And if we have a look at what happened to to Jesus, and this is all evidence, this is all um, being checked, uh, cross-checked by people that are professors and atheists, not believing in Jesus at all, trying to disprove him. But it's undeniable. The evidence is undeniable. It's historically recorded that he was scourged with a whip 30 or 40 times that's a leather whip with steel and fish like hooks barbs or whatever that took out flesh so can you imagine getting whacked with this big muscular roman soldier with a big leather whip in his hand with all this stuff on there whacking you on the back and just ripping it out Each time, 30 times even. Can you imagine how much skin would have been taken off? So he would have been taking skin and muscle out of Jesus' body. It would have exposed some of the organs. You know, you would have been able to see some things in his body. And he was going to the cross next, so they couldn't care less. They were there to hurt him, big time. He lost enormous amounts of blood. And it is proven that he would have been in a critical condition from the loss of blood. That should have killed most people. Just that part, the scourging, the pain that he was in is extreme. And he had all the sickness, diseases and everything being thrown onto him so that he would take it for us. That's why he was being hit with that cross. His, uh, his, his um, blood loss was immense. And then he was taken up, walked up with a cross, slammed down against it on the ground and hammered these huge spikes through his arms and through his legs. I mean, I can't imagine the suffering. I just can't imagine it. He would have been semi-conscious I'd imagine by this stage having all that blood loss and all that pain on him and it's all recorded now when he was 
on that cross, he died. He even said it was finished. And a guard, one of the Romans guards, just wanted to make sure. So he stuck a big spear up through his ribs and into his heart to make sure that he was dead. And it's recorded. He was dead. His body was dead. Then it was put into a cave, all wrapped up, tightly wrapped up, and left in a cave. There's no way <laughs> that someone's going to you know, rise up out of that. They're dead, absolutely dead. Now, that cave was covered with a huge rock, big boulder that we couldn't move, and it was sealed, and it was guarded because they were freaked out about what he said about being risen, about rising up three days after being killed. Well, three days later, his body was gone. The cave boulder was, was just smashed onto the ground like nothing. He was gone out of that cave. Now, people will say that someone stole the body, but it is not what happened. Next, evidence shows there was at least 500 people that saw Jesus walking around after that three-day period in the cave. It's not two people. It's not three people. It's not 12 people. It wasn't just the disciples. But it's 500 people. And it's written down. Now, even if 10% of them were correct, it doesn't matter. The fact is the evidence is overwhelming that Jesus was seen after he was killed, after his body was killed. He has been made alive. He has been resurrected. He is alive now and he is a spiritual person. And he's able to see everyone at the same time, everyone on the planet at the same time if he wants to. He's walking into people's places. I know people that have seen him, that have met him. And if you start to look, you will see the visitations for the Muslims and other people is extreme. It's increasing. It seems to be increasing. But he is alive. There's overwhelming evidence to say that he is alive. But some people, even with all the evidence, do not want to recognise it. Why, I don't exactly know, but I think it's about comfort. A lot of people believe that if they believe in Jesus, they'll become religious. They'll have to sell everything. They'll have to change their life. Well, I'm here to tell them, you don't have to sell everything. You don't have to change your life. You don't have to stop smoking or doing the inappropriate things. You don't have to. But what happens is your spirit, which is a human spirit, it changes all of a sudden. Bang! In comes the the born-again spirit from Jesus. comes into your human spirit and it makes it alive. It refreshes it. There's a change that occurs. <laughs> your spirit now can talk to God. You can talk to God through Jesus. You can access all the blessings and one of them is full divine health. It's prosperity. It's, 
it's relationships, it's, it's being okay when people do bad things to you, it's no retaliation, it's moving away guilt and shame, and it's just all about love and peace and joy. And are you all there? That, do you get that straight away? No, but your mind starts to renew. And you may be looking at your cigarette now going, you know, I don't want to do this. Well, then put your hand up and ask the spirit that's in you, which is Jesus, to help you with break that desire. And guess what? He will. <laughs> is there a sickness that you've just been given? A report that you've been given from the doctor? Well, Jesus said by his stripes, you're healed. That's what he was doing. He was taking all the afflictions. But there's a there's a catalyst to receiving healing, and that's believing. Believing that it's been done. Not asking God to heal me. No, thank you, God, that you've healed me. And I talk to this sickness now and I command this body to be healed, right? Or if there's an affliction of, of you know, um, a mental affliction like schizophrenia or something, I tell it to get off or get someone else to deliver you, to tell that spirit to get off because you believe in Jesus. And Jesus, God, is the king of all spirits. Pray that you are helped in being able to explain to someone the reality of Jesus. Jesus died so we could live this life as it is in heaven. The Lord's Prayer talks about that and it's a command all the way through. It's a command. We are to live the life that God wants for us, which is joyous. Jesus was one of the most, well, probably the most joyful person. Look at the things that were thrown at him. (laughs) You know, he could have comfort in that. He knew who he was. He knew that when there was trials and tribulations, and Paul's a good example of this, he could have comfort. Why could he have comfort? Well, he knows that in trials and tribulation, it's a refinement. It's a refinement of who he is and where he's going and what's going to happen next. And God can't take you to the fullness of him without some trials and tribulations, he allows some of these things. He does not put sickness on you, but he allows some of the trials and the tribulations to test you. And uh, you can see throughout the Bible that people grew, grew in their strength of who they were in God as they went through these trials. And eventually, you know it's the will of God just taking you to the next level. You can rest in it. You can have joy in it. (laughs) It's amazing turnarounds. Imagine when someone lies about you and you can actually forgive them and even go to the point of blessing them. What that's going to do for you is amazing. What it's going to do for them is even more amazing. But to live that life, we need to believe that Jesus Christ is alive. And that is a truth. Everyone knows this scripture, or most do, <laughs> maybe you do, to Timothy 1.7, where uh, he's not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So what does that mean? How do we actually feel okay when things around us are actually not okay? Well, they're not okay in the worldly way. And I say that we need to get ourselves into a place where we're thinking more about other people and blessing them and looking for ways to help 
rather than what things are meaning to us. In Philippians 2.3, it says to consider others first, really. Consider them of more importance than ourselves, which means think about them first. And when we look at Jesus, he put God and other people first, you know, himself last. He really did. And he was in a peace that we can have. He says that we can have his peace, which is out of the world's understanding. And it doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes it does, I say, but most of the time, from my experience and the experience of others, it doesn't just happen overnight. But you know what? I want to encourage you and confirm with you, because I've proven it myself, that it does happen and it becomes more consistent. Calm, peace, joy, hope, love, and just a, a nice feeling happens more often and becomes more stable as you practice. Now, it says in, in the Bible, it says in Philippians to practice, it's, it says that um, a lot of these people in the Bible, they were pursuing um, understanding. They were, they were not just sitting still, they're always at it. And Paul says to pray consistently without ceasing <laughs> and rejoice and you know, consider trials and tribulations joy. Now, why could you possibly think that the trials and tribulations are okay? You know, you may not have enough money. You may not know where it's going to come from. You may have just received a, uh, a doctor's um, diagnosis, which you do not want. It may be that a relationship has failed or, you know, your children are, uh, are not doing well, whatever it may be. You are not in control of everything. And this is one thing that I've learned, that I'm not in control of my life. I hand it over to Jesus as much as I can, and I'm still learning. I'm still learning. But each time I, I give up and I surrender and I, and I trust him, right? Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll make your path straight. So making our path straight, what does that mean? It means he'll give you the decisions, you know, he'll, he'll guide you in the steps you can take. I know it's true because I've been seeing it in my life. I recently had a, um, a drive which was about one and a half hours from where I live. And someone sent me a text to say, hey, these guys are praying um, in this area. And I thought, well, I was going to do that too. But I was on the way to the beach. And I thought, well, I'm going to be spending time with Jesus at the beach. I'll just go back tomorrow or the next day. Maybe they'll still be there. And so I pulled over on the road and I thought, what, what do you want, Holy Spirit? And I sat there in silence. God says, be still and know I am God. <laughs> and I know people like Catherine Kuhlman needed to be still to get answers. And you can listen to her um, on YouTube and find that that recording speaks about how she used to get answers through being still. Well, God says to do that. I've found the same thing. And it was on the side of the road. So I turned around after Holy Spirit said, no, you need to go back. So I went back and an amazing door opened. An opportunity for ministry, which was at a level that I could never have imagined opened. The possibility is immense. <laughs> now, if I hadn't gone back and followed what the Holy Spirit was saying. And it was just an intention. It was a thought as well, an intention. If I didn't follow that and I went my own way, 
What would that have meant? Well, today I wouldn't have that possibility sitting in front of me and I wouldn't have known the door that could open. And this has been happening time and time and time again. Even recently, I thought of my my nephew, who I haven't spoken to for nearly a year. I was about to give him a call and he came running down a set of stairs at a train station where I was standing talking to someone. And he said to me, hey, Uncle Ross, it's amazing because just yesterday a lady spoke to me and said, Jesus is getting close to me. Now, this would be a one in a billion chance that I would be at this station at the right time where he's running down a station and it was probably 50 kilometres away from where he lives. So it's not a coincidence at all. The way I came to Jesus is not a coincidence. It took three eagle experiences to come to Jesus. But he did it. He's in control. The Holy Spirit is the one we need to give our life to. We need to give it to God. We need to trust him in all our ways and not lean on our own understanding. When you lean on your own understanding about everything, and sure, we do need to have some understanding about, you know, use the right blinker so we turn right instead of turning left. But to have that right understanding really means that it needs to be directed by the Holy Spirit. So we acknowledge him in all that we do. We pray continuously by doing that. And sure, when we're doing our work on our computer or or whatever it is, serving a customer or whatever it may be, we're not going to be saying, oh, I acknowledge you, Holy Spirit. I acknowledge you, Holy Spirit. I acknowledge you. It's not possible. But that engagement that you've been having on a constant basis does not go away and Holy Spirit does not leave you. Your whole way of life is flavoured from the Holy Spirit and it is a uh, works-based effort in a sense that we must work to enter the rest. But that work is to know Jesus. (laughs) That's a good work. That's a good work. And he promises that he'll supply all our needs. He'll never leave us or forsake us. And that in Romans 8, 28, it says all things. That's everything. Everything works together for your good. If you love him and you're called according to his purpose, so if you're doing things to know him, if you're sharing him with others, if you're um, praying, if you're speaking the words of life into your life, then all these things that are going on will be turned for good. And we can't see how it could possibly be turned for good if there's, um, at the moment, you know, um, uh, non-clearness about what direction to take. You know, should we step into this full time? Should we uh, do it part time? Um, where will I go? How will I find a job? What, what, what will I be working at? Can I do this? Can I do that? Just know the Holy Spirit will guide you and he will open the doors at the right time. So there comes another area and it says to be patient. So love is patient. Love is kind, but love is patient. And it's one of the things that I've had to learn and I'm still learning to be patient. (laughs) But what a wonderful thing it is when there is patience and trusting God to bring you through and bring me through into the place that I want to be, which is in his will. Now, sometimes I find myself lacking in motivation or passion Passion for Christ, passion to share Jesus, passion to know him, passion to really trust him, passion to to keep going forward with him. But I know 
there's breakthrough coming, but it takes refinement. It takes suffering. We will suffer as Jesus suffered. That's, that's one of the things to uh, consider a blessing because as we suffer, um, we're being refined. How can you get patience if everything's given to you all at the same time? Do you know what I mean? It's just not possible. <laughs> it's the same in all areas. How can you, um, you know, really not be offended by someone that's done you wrong? And actually forgive them and bless them if you haven't had people that have offended you. So these trials and tribulations are actually opportunities. That's what I call them opportunities. Opportunities that I don't want but I do want, if you know what I mean. Because when we go through them, we get stronger and the next one is easier. And we'll get taken to the next next level of, of responsibility. You know, look at the... Um, the coins uh, that were given to those guys um, and trusted, you know, uh, one got three, so he got given a heap of responsibility. The other, one of them just put it in the ground and hoped that it would still be there when, when he came back and, you know, he wasn't given any responsibility because he didn't do anything with what he was given. We've been given Jesus, the spirit of, of life. Um, we've been given the truth. And we can set other people free with it. But if we're not doing anything with it, we're not going to be given much responsibility. And in this life, we can hand that test, that trial, that whatever it is, over to Jesus and know that he will never leave us, never forsake us, and he'll never give you more than you can handle. Is that true? This is where it comes. Is it true? Now, these are biblical statements that I've just made. Is it true that he'll never give you more than you can handle? Will he be with you the whole way? Is it possible to do the impossible with God? All things are possible through Christ who strengthens you. All things are possible through Christ who strengthens you. (laughs) It's no reason to go into fear. If fear comes, it's a spirit. Know it as a spirit. Know it as a spirit. It says to humble ourselves. In 1 Peter 5, 6, it says, humble yourself. You know, to be exalted. Humble yourself. S-E-L-F. Your carnal feelings, you know, all those sorts of things. Just humble them. Just lower them down. Under the mighty hand of God. And how? How do we do that? He says, by casting all your cares to him. That means give him the cares. Then you don't want them anyway. I don't want them. You can have them, God. You can have the whole lot of them because they're not helping me. They're holding me back from being all that you want me to be and all that I want to be. So cast those cares to God because he cares for you. And he says, do not be wise in your own eyes. You know, I met someone that was dying because of stress and they were dying because they were fighting the stress they were fighting the fear themselves they did not hand it over to God and when when we looked at what was happening 
You know, he was doing a really good thing. He was praying and praying and praying and asking God and all this sort of stuff. But but what he wasn't doing was handing it over to God and trusting God to deal with it. He was not casting those cares. He was doing what he could to pray off those prayers in his own strength. It wasn't handed over to God to deal with the spirit of fear. Now, you're not a spirit. I'm not a spirit. We're part spirit. We, we, when we believe in Jesus, we have a beautiful, 100% perfect spirit of life come into us and refresh us and bring us alive. But that spirit is God, God in us. And he's the one, he's the one that has the power. And we have been given the authority to tell that that spirit of fear to get out, okay? And then don't care about it. Don't worry about it. Hand those worries about it to God. Now, God is either telling you the truth or he's not, and he tells the truth. That spirit of fear will flee. Resist the devil and he will flee. Fear is from the devil. You know, that type of fear. Having a fear that... Um, you know, a bull in the middle of a paddock might chase you down and you better get out of there. That's a good fear. If you don't have that fear, well, <laughs> you know, it's not good. That's not the type of fear we're talking about. We're talking about false experiences appearing real, you know, the what ifs and all those. And I've been given this diagnosis and this could happen. This is my case right now. This is terrible. Uh, you know, one person's going, you know, they've just been given a a, um, a diagnosis of cancer, let's say. And one person's going, no, by his stripes, your stripes, Jesus, I've been healed. You took all those, those sicknesses and diseases onto you. And you said that by your stripes, I'm healed. I'm going to believe that. I'm going to show others how to get through this because millions of others have got through this too. And I'm one of those because I believe in you. Whereas the other person's going, oh, this is the end of the world. Oh, I better go and get radiation treatment. I better get this. Oh, no, most people die that have this. Oh, I better get my things in order. Which one are you? Which one do you want to go to? I mean, this could happen to any of us. We could be afflicted by these things at any time. We need to get strong in God. We need to get strong in God. And not allow that spirit of fear to have a go at us. We are strong. You are strong in God. You are more than a conqueror. And you will survive. You will be okay. And you will show others the way by keeping your trust in him solid. Solid. Absolutely solid. Like a bolt in the concrete. You will trust his word. You will know that he's a spiritual person. And he's with you right now. Right now, he will never leave you or forsake you. He's here right now, right as we're speaking. He's speaking through me to you. He wants to help you and he wants to help me too. We all want to help each other. He says, encourage each other daily. There's a reason. There's a reason. I don't remember all the right ways to think, the right scriptural citations and all these things. But when I talk to a brother or a sister that that um, that knows, they can lift me up and I say, oh, yes, that's the right way. I was thinking this way. Thank you for reminding me. I'm staying in the spirit. 
I am staying in the Spirit. I seek first your kingdom, Lord, and your righteousness, and all these things are added to me. Thank you. And that includes healing, healing of mind, body, soul. It's healing in all areas of life, not just bones and flesh. And, uh, you know, if, you've, if you're feeling sick, if you're feeling sick and you've taken the jab and you're feeling sick, and you think it's because of that, get prayer. Receive the truth of God and the spirit of life into you and show others how you get through. He will do it. Build yourself up in the word by speaking the word. Read and speak. Speak it out loud. Confess it. And you will see the change. The change will be dramatic. Absolutely dramatic. And that spirit of fear Ha! We can laugh at it. We can actually laugh at it. And the more you laugh, what's that showing the devil? He does not like you praising and worshipping God. He hates it. He was thrown out because of his pride. When we laugh in the face of what's going on, we say, ha, 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 you know, you've thrown this at me, but ha, ha, ha. He'll, he'll be wondering, what are you laughing at? Well, you can say. Because I know the God that's healed me and that is the truth and that's all I'm holding on to. And any fear associated in anything else, you get out because I'm not acknowledging you. You are not worth it. Only one that's worth it is Jesus. So praise you, Lord. I pray this word has been motivating for you, uplifting for you, and you believe it and hold on to it and speak it out. Amen.